0: Currently, I'm a college instructor and I've designed the Bullyproof Classroom, a graduate course that provides my students with permanent help, not temporary relief, as they battle the bullying epidemic. Today, we're going to be talking about booze and bullying. As many of you know, I was raised over a bar in a small town in central New Jersey called Carteret, and when I was in high school during the 70s, and I mean the early 70s, the drinking age was 18 years old. Every one of my friends was a big drinker, and some of them even drank in my father's bar where I worked because I was allowed to work there at 18. And it was unbelievable how much booze these kids could consume. I witnessed kids drinking a case of beer in one night, others drinking pictures of mixed drink, and still others Drinking booze right out of the bottle. I myself would have a few beers occasionally, but my real drinking started when I was about 25. By the way, you know, the girls in the school used to go crazy for a who were called the big drinkers. In other words, these guys could drink pitchers of mixed drink straight down without even taking a breath seemed like the nicest girls were impressed with a guy who could drink a pitcher of beer or mixed drink, as I said, and not come up for air. It was commonplace in the early 70s. Then all of a sudden, you'd hear about a group of teenagers who were killed in an alcohol-related car wreck, and that's when everyone laid low for a while and didn't drink, or at least they didn't drink and drive. Now, after one too many of these alcohol related accidents, the laws and the penalties got stiffer. The parents who had one of their children killed because of a drunk driver started to organize and form mothers against drunk driving mad. And the students had their friend and the students who had their friends killed in these accidents formed students against drunk driving sad. You had police task forces that were organized, and they were trained to identify people who were driving a car under the influence of alcohol. The the word designated driver took on new meaning. This was supposed to be the person who didn't drink at the party and could drive everyone else home who was drunk. It started to be less and less fashionable to be drunk at a party, and heavy drinking was starting to become taboo. Now, I spent about 10 years of drinking myself. I wasn't a heavy drinker, but I decided to quit when my daughter, Sarah, was born. I stopped all alcohol consumption, and I still don't drink to this day, and she's 28 years old. And it was a good thing that I did for my health, And for the welfare of my kids, my daughter, who's, as I said, 28, commented to me on more than one occasion that she's glad I didn't drink because she'd been around some of her friends' parents who were big drinkers, and she basically saw some of the behaviors that she didn't like. Now, in having conversations with kids that drank and with Parents at times who drank, you know, you, you begin to ask some questions. And one of the questions I asked was what is the reason why you have to have so much to drink? And what is the reason why you have to. Uh, When you get into a crowd, you feel like you need something to get loosened up. And they all said the same thing. They said they're not good in groups. They have social phobias. They have trouble starting conversations with people. And the like. It It starts off as social drinking And then it turns into, one is not enough, ten is too many, where do you stop? And the shyness and the social phobias, you know, they're still there today. You know, people getting killed in a car accident or having a health-related issue like a rotten liver... They're widely publicized by the media. You know, and it's not exactly the same as it was years ago where Alcoholics Anonymous, where when you had Alcoholics Anonymous, where that A, Anonymous, meant something, where it actually meant something. People didn't disclose they had a drinking problem or an addiction problem and these uh, and no one knew who they were but then you start to have the disclosure of people who are drinking you see you can't fire a person from a job who has an alcohol related problem today you have to get them help and and that's up to the company or the job that they have they're given many opportunities to try and straighten out. They want to help people more than hurt them by firing them. And then you have celebrities, you know, who are involved with addiction, alcohol, pills, opioids. And they go into rehab and they come out and they're waving to everybody because it's a badge of honor that you recognized your issue and you went in to get help. Now... The concern that I've had for many years is the idea that people drink to help overcome shyness or they drink to help them fit in to social situations. When young people begin to drink their emotions are shut down at the age they began drinking. And this is a known fact. The emotions almost go dormant because any pain or any suffering that they have as they move through life is always masked by booze or pills or some other form of addictive problem that salves those emotions. And when we start to think about, you know, bullying and victimization, no one could be in more pain than victims. And my concern is that drinking or addiction can be come the social and emotional coping mechanism for our victims. Victims need help. There's no question about it in terms of dealing with the issues of life and the suffering that they go through. And my whole idea has always been to try and strengthen the victim. If we don't, the victims will begin to try and salve their emotions themselves. And it might start off with alcohol, but it will end up with something much more powerful like cocaine or heroin or opioids. These young people don't experience the same natural growing pains that they have to go through where they learn how to interact with others on their own, and they use alcohol or some other addictive substance to help them. The natural growing pains that are basically part of the maturation process can't be avoided because what it's doing is it's retarding the maturity or it may cause it to never develop. We have to be careful with our victims because they will end up having more problems than just being victimized. They will hurt themselves with alcohol or another addictive substance to help relieve the pain of bullying. They may grow up physically but never emotionally. And you could have someone who's 30 years old who's really functioning in an emotional 14-year-old body. Those who have these issues, they become one-dimensional. They lose the ability to have exchanges and interact with people. They don't, they're not interesting people. Because most of the time they go, you know, solo on their own. And when something happens in life that they weren't taught how to react to or respond to, because they may not even, even be victimized at the time, but when a problem hits, they end up turning to booze or to a substance. They're too nervous to get involved with a group activity or to develop interest in a hobby. They have a desire to hang around with anyone who seems different. So they really limit the kinds of things that they talk about. They stay stuck where they are, right where they were when they started drinking. This is a concern to me. And it's something that we have to take a look at for sure. It really reminds me of the book uh, written by Robert Bly called The Sibling Society. The book talks about a, a society of people with no vertical vision. In other words, I don't have the ability to look up to a parent. The only thing I see are those that are around me. The only gaze that I have is horizontal. And they can only see people in their immediate view. And if the people that they're hanging around with are different and addicted and are having trouble, now, don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with being different. There is something wrong with recognizing the difference as a uh, an issue in your life in terms of feeling different. You never feel like you fit in. That's the difference I'm talking about. And these people have lost that heart that that vertical view where they can look up to other people. Gain information from people that are smarter than them and wiser than them, and they stay in this horizontal plane where those around them are the same as them. Those around them have addiction problems, have alcohol problems, and they end up in relationships with people of of of, the, of, the, of, the, of that um, who have those difficulties. They can only see people in their immediate view. And we have to be aware of this. Because if we're not, and we have to be aware of it with our children and with our students. Because if, in fact, someone is victimized, the pain at times can be so great that they have to use something. To stop the anxiety and the depression associated with being bullied. Now, as we go through yet a potential, another generation of alcohol abuse, we have to realize what it's doing to our young people. And they have to learn how to emotionally mature but they won't if they continue to drink. And it's up to us, drink or use a substance of any kind. And like I said earlier, we can't rely on the media to communicate this societal problem, because the media without fail, always covers stories about stars that have alcohol and drug related problems. So what comes across to young people that these stars when they enter a rehab program for drug or alcohol addiction, they come out waving to the public looking perfectly cured. But what the kids don't realize is when they went into rehab, that was only the beginning. That's only the start. Many a a media star, many a star in the eyes of our young people have had setbacks And may continue to drink outside of our view and who are continuing to have difficulty. And sometimes the message that gets conveyed is that there are really no bad consequences to it. But there are. And these people who are stars, maybe wealthy, and can afford to go into a Betty Ford clinic or one of these other places that offer them help. Not everybody has insurance. Not everybody takes insurance. And sometimes it it takes money to get the help that you need. Not everybody realizes that AA and NA are there to help. Not everybody gets it because they're too caught up in the pain that they're in. I think the thing that troubles me the most is the observation that I've made. You know, I never really was a heavy drinker. But if I drank, I, I could tie one on. And sometimes when you're going to the refrigerator for a beer, like I did many years ago, 40 years ago, you have to ask yourself the question. Are you thirsty or depressed? And that's a question that our young people have to ask themselves. Am I thirsty or depressed? And if you really don't have the answer, then it's time that you you don't drink. Sometimes people are just not comfortable in their own skin. Social situations can make a person feel uncomfortable. A few drinks can do the trick. And you become more adept at holding conversations with other people and interacting in a group. Sometimes you might even be funny in that group. And that's when everybody loves you and you love the adulation and you love the fact that you're entertaining people but the fact of the matter is when you show up sober, nobody likes you because you're not funny anymore. And that's when it's time to change your friends. As I said, I made the decision to quit drinking so my daughter would never see the damaging effects of alcohol. I may have drank because of social situations as well. as some of the other people who did. I'm sure my daughter drank. I'm sure everybody's tried it. But there's a big difference between trying it and being addicted to it. And you have to look at the reason why they drink. You have to look at that reason. If you have young people in your house By young, I mean 14, 15 years old, and you notice uncomfortability in their own skin, and they have trouble interacting, and they have trouble dealing with social situations or maybe even problems that that occur, it's time that you really took heed and looked after them and said, how can I help you, before they turn to a substance to salve their emotions. We're older than they are, supposed to be smarter than they are, have more wisdom than they may have. So it's up to us as adults to step in, do our job, and help kids grow and not get stifled emotionally with the use of alcohol or any other substance. My name is Jim Burns. Thank you for listening to Anti Bullying 101. Now, I really have been encouraging everyone to go to the website, bullyproofclassroom.com. Take a look at the products, take a look at things that are there. I'm sure that you could find something that you like that will help you in, in school, that might help you with your kids. Please do. I offer professional development credit right online. You'll get a certificate that says you participated in a course. You see them there. See if you need anything. Take a course. Please donate. This podcast does not run on its own. There is a Link right on the site, it says become a patron. Click it and donate. A dollar, two dollars, four dollars, whatever it might be. We can always use the help in keeping this podcast rolling. Anti-bullying 101 is proven to, to help people. I get emails all the time. From folks who say, listen to your podcast, it made such a difference. I've learned so much from it. Please help it stay afloat and do what you can to make a donation to keep this podcast running. Now I'm doing this podcast at about four fifteen on a Saturday afternoon. It's October nineteenth. Beautiful day outside. And I've had a great day myself. I really have. I've enjoyed the weather, and I've enjoyed a lot of the people that I've been around, and now I'm enjoying you, my listening audience, and I am so grateful for you, and I so appreciate all that you do to help deal with the bullying epidemic. Once again, my name is Jim Burns. Thank you for listening to Anti-Bullying 101 And always remember that you carry your own weather around with you. Thanks for listening, folks.